Well, I don't know about you, but I can uh, certainly identify sometimes my life with that video, doesn't it? just seems like it's from one thing to another, the other, the other, the other, and it's so hard sometimes just to catch our breath at times, just to catch our breath. And tonight we are continuing in our series called Stressed Out, and we are thinking tonight about the spiritual discipline, as Josiah said, the discipline of rest. The discipline of rest in our lives. I do promise that tonight I will try and keep you awake during this next half hour or so. But here's the thing. If you're ever going to fall asleep in church, tonight's the night to do so. Because when your friend or your spouse wakes you up, you can just be like, hey, I was putting the sermon to practice while he was preaching it. All right, practical application immediately happening. Nice for me, your chairs are nice and uncomfortable. So if you can sleep in these chairs, you have grill talent. But today we're going to be thinking about what does it mean to find physical rest and then not just physical rest, what does it mean to have spiritual rest in Jesus? In what seems like to me often our world is a restless world. One of the most well-known and most famous distance runners in U.S. history, perhaps the most accomplished U.S. runner in history, his name is Bernard Lagat. And he emigrated here from Kenya many years ago, became a citizen. And he, across basically every distance, holds all sorts of records. For the U.S., he holds the 1,500, the 3,000 meter, the 5K record. In fact, he's the second fastest person in history to run a 1,500 meter race. He has appeared in not one, not two, not three, not four, but five Olympic Games. And this February, at the age of 45, is hoping to make his sixth Olympic team. He has 13 world championship and Olympic medals combined. And I came across an article by, or interviewing him recently, and they said, what is the key? No one like you, no one's made an Olympics into their 40s like you have, and you're still competing, you're still finishing near the top of these races. What has been the key to your success for so long? He said, the key to my success is this, is at the end of every season, which for him, I guess, is normally at the end of October, he says, I take five weeks where I have two goals in life, to eat a lot of good food and to spend time with my kids. He says, I've put all my workout gear away and I refuse to work out for five weeks. I rest for five weeks. He says, I rest. I make it my goal to gain 10 pounds, which I'm like, I can, I can have that goal, right? I can have that goal too. To gain 10 pounds in five weeks, I'll go for it. But he said his competitors are so thing on this keen that I always have to be going. I always have to be going. There's never time. My career is so short. I always have to be going. And he said the, career, the key to his success is that he has learned how not just to train hard, but more importantly, he said, I've learned how to rest. Now, looking out across here, you all look great tonight. I don't think any of us are Olympic athletes here, though, myself certainly included. But this principle of rest goes beyond just the physical exercise for elite athletes. But it's a discipline and a practice that all of us need in our lives as well. A practice that each and every one of us needs. And just like last week when we talked about busyness, I just want you to know that when it comes to me and this discipline in my life, my life is far from perfect in this area. 
And so when I, I'll use some examples tonight from things that I'm trying. Please don't take it as in Michael's found the key to living a well-balanced and restful life. I'm striving to get there like many of you are, and I don't think I've yet arrived, but I don't know how anyone else does it because I'm just me, so I'm going to tell you what I've tried and some of the things that God has taught me. But I'm right here with you journeying through this idea of what it means to rest. Last week when we talked about busyness, we talked about how often the lie about busyness is that busyness is equal to significance. Right? And if our lives are busy, then that means they're filled with value and significance and how that's so opposite from God's word. When I think of rest and a lie that our world says about rest, it's this, that if you rest, rest equals weakness. Rest equals weakness. We don't want to take any days off. We don't need to take time off. We don't need to take vacation. Why? Because I hustle. I work hard, I'm strong, I don't need a break like those weak people do. And I can keep going and keep going. But God's word tonight is going to tell each and every one of us that that's not true. Rest is not equal to weakness. And so tonight we're going to look at three different reasons why we should practice rest in our lives. And the first reason to practice rest in our lives is simply this, that rest follows God's pattern. Rest follows God's pattern that he has displayed for us and then passed on and commanded to his people. We see this pattern first in the book of Genesis. All the text will be on the screen tonight. Genesis chapter 2, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's astounding, isn't it? Because God could have done anything at the culmination of creation. He could have thrown a big party. He could have celebrated. He could have made more things. But what did he do? God chose to rest. He chose to rest from work on the seventh day of creation. And we see this principle that we see here outlined in creation being commanded to God's people. It's one of the Ten Commandments to rest. It says this in the book of Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Made it holy. And so rest follows the pattern that God has established for his people, modeled by him in his act of creation and how we are to live our lives. And so what this means for us as people of God, if we want to live into the creation that God's made, how God modeled it for us, is rest is not an optional thing for our lives to fully function how God has made us to be. Rest is not just something that we can say, Well, and I've been guilty of this. Well, 
when life slows down a little bit, then I'll rest. Have any of you said that? I know I've said that. Guess what? Life still hasn't slowed down for me. I don't know about you. It hasn't slowed down. If you wait till life slows down to rest, you'll die. And then you'll have plenty of time to rest. Right? You'll rest in the grave. But life will never itself slow down. And it's easy to let the circumstances of our life just continue to build and build and build and not build into our lives habits and rhythms of rest. And so I want to challenge us tonight to think about if this is a pattern that God has clearly modeled for us, to think about what are the rhythms of rest that I have in my life? If I were to ask you, what what rhythms of rest do you have in your life? Do you have an answer? Is that something that we've thought of? I think one, one rhythm that we can have, a rhythm of rest, is kind of yearly rhythms of rest. Yearly rhythms of rest. If you're a student, these rhythms are told to you. Christmas, spring break, summer. And man, I don't know about you, but no one had to tell me as a kid, like, to take summer break off. Right, I was not pushing like, do I really not have to go to school and study? I was like, yes, please, thank you. But somewhere along the lines, I don't know when it happens, but somehow we start to think that rest is not something good, but rest actually is weakness. And so we think that we just need to keep working and push through. I just want you to know that if you can't remember the last time you took a day off of work, that's not a sign of strength. If you have all these vacation days added up, in fact, you have too much vacation from your job that you didn't take it and you lost your vacation last year, that's not something that you should be really proud of. If God's blessed you with a job that your employer wants to pay you to not come in, don't come in. I'm giving you permission. Take your vacation. In fact, well, pastor, I can't afford to go anywhere. You live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It's $2.50 for a train ticket. Come downtown on the L and walk around downtown Chicago for the day. Take the day off. Take a week off if you can. Take rhythms of vacation, rhythms of rest in your life. Not just rhythms of I'm going to go and be really busy and do a lot of stuff somewhere else, but rhythms where you're disengaged from your work. And this is a hard thing for me, a discipline that I've had to work at. Because I used to leave the office for a week and answer like 200 emails on my phone. And it's been there because my work goes with me everywhere. It's right here. My inbox, I get dozens of emails a day. And you know what I had to do to learn to rest when I would take yearly rhythms of vacation? I opened my email app and I turn it off. My assistant and my boss know if you need to get a hold of me, call me. I will not be emailing or checking email for the next week. I am not available because I'm resting from work. I'm not just out of the office, but I want to be gone. I want to actually rest. But rest isn't just this big thing that happens in several months from now or when the semester is up or when spring break comes. Rest should be a weekly habit of our lives as well. Rest should be a weekly habit, just like how God said there are six days and then set one aside. It was something he instituted for his people as well to follow. Rest is a weekly habit that we should have in our lives. And for some of us, this is really difficult to do. It has been for me for a long time. I struggle with this constantly. I'm putting away work, setting aside time, prioritizing the other six days so that on the one day that I don't have to be doing things, I actually am able to rest how I want to rest and how God wired me 
And we're going to talk more about what that can look like. But in our lives, I would suggest to think that there should be weekly rhythms of rest. And then there should be daily rhythms of rest. Daily rhythms of rest. Isn't it amazing that the pinnacle of God's creation, you and I, were wired to spend a third of our lives sleeping. We were wired to spend a third of our lives doing absolutely nothing. Because the significance that you have isn't in your productivity. It's not in how much you do. And there's nothing wrong with establishing daily patterns of rest before God. Resting in his word, resting in time with him, and then taking time for physical rest as well. This has been something, all of these things have been things that have been challenging and hard for me to do. In fact, there was a time in my life where I didn't think I needed to. I didn't think I needed to do these things. And I was so thankful that God brought someone into my life to speak the truth to me right when I needed it. I was in uh, the second year of my grad school program where I was a full-time grad student. I was already working here at the church leading the youth ministry. I was a few months out from being married and life was full. There was a lot going on. You ever try to learn two ancient languages at the same time? Yeah, life was full. There was a lot of stuff going on. And I remember I had a professor who still teaches at Trinity. His name is Dr. Carlson. Dr. Carlson, we were talking in a class. It was a smaller class. And so he asked me and he started asking me questions about my life. And he's been to Moody Church. He's lived in Chicago for a long time. And so he was just asking about me and what I was doing. And I just told him, man, you know, I'm taking 15 credits. I'm teaching youth group twice a week. I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. And he said, what day of the week do you do nothing? And I looked at him and said, I have too much going on to do nothing. And then he said, Michael, I want to ask you, he goes, I'm not joking, do you still want to be a pastor in two years? I said, yeah. He goes, if you don't find a day to do nothing, you won't be one in two years. I said, what? He said, I've watched enough people your age in their early to mid-20s think they can do it all. And by 25, they're gone because their energy has just depleted them because they never stopped at all. And so he looked me right in the face and he challenged me, you need to prioritize your life to spend a day where you're not working, where you're not doing school or work. It's hard business, but find a 24-hour period to do it. And I was so thankful because that transformed my life. And I just want to challenge you tonight that it's hard for some of us with how our lives are set up. But to think about how we can get to a point where rest is a weekly and a regular part of our lives because rest is actually something that follows the pattern God laid out for us. The second reason that we need rest is that rest brings perspective. Rest brings perspective into our busy lives. In Exodus chapter 31, God says this, the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, You shall keep my Sabbaths. Why? For this is a sign between me and you throughout the generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Notice the seriousness of the Sabbath. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his 
people. Then verse 17, he says, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. He rested and was refreshed. The Sabbath for God's people back then and a Sabbath for us today was a profoundly countercultural thing. Taking a day where you don't do any work, you don't do anything productive, as someone might say, is profoundly countercultural. Just like it would have been back then, the people would have looked around the Israelites and been like, what do you mean? They don't farm on this day? They're not doing any, they're going to get so far behind. What, what do you mean? And that could be the pressure that we would feel as well. But at the Sabbath is a reminder that we're not to be giving in to the pressures of this world, but to conform our lives to the standard that God has given to us. It's a profoundly countercultural thing. But what happened throughout Scripture as the Sabbath was given is that to, so people would make sure not to work, more and more rules were placed upon what it means to keep the Sabbath. And the Pharisees loved these rules when you get to the New Testament and loved to institute these rules onto other people so much so that they lost sight of God's original intention for it. The Sabbath to them had become about rules so much so that look at this passage with us here in Matthew chapter 12. Speaking of Jesus, it says this, Jesus went from there and entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they, the Pharisees, asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Why did they ask him this? So that they might accuse him. Jesus said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep, so it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. See, to them, the Sabbath had just become about the rules, the 40 plus rules that they had set up around what it means to keep the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, you've missed the heart of why God gave the Sabbath to his people to begin with. And so if the Sabbath isn't, if taking a day of rest isn't just about rules, what is the Sabbath about? First, Sabbath is about rest. Sabbath is about rest. It's about physical rest. Have a day of the week, at least one day if possible, where you can sleep in a little bit more, where you can get a little extra sleep. Maybe don't set an alarm if possible. Have a day of the week where you can schedule your life around where if you want, you can put your feet up and you can close your eyes in the middle of the day for a little bit, that you can rest that you can mentally rest as well from work. That you can mentally set those tasks aside and do things that are different from what was before. So the Sabbath is about rest, but the Sabbath is also about relationship. Sabbath is about relationship, our relationship with God. And celebrating the Sabbath, setting it aside, means that we've not just set aside extra time for us to physically rest, but then to spend a, a designated maybe more time than we normally would in the course of our lives, time with God. Time in scripture reading, in prayer, in singing, in worship before him. Just you and God. Sabbath is about relationships with other people as well. It's good to celebrate Sabbath if you're able to with those that you love, with your church community, with your family, with your spouse. 
Sabbath is about building and restoring and, and growing those relationships that God has given us. <clears throat> Sabbath is also about refreshing. Sabbath is about refreshing. I had never seen it there until I read it this past week there, Exodus 31. You notice the last word on the seventh day, God rested and was refreshed. If God modeled for us what it means to be refreshed, how come we don't think that our souls need to be refreshed each and every week? And because the Sabbath isn't about rules, it's about relationship and rest and being refreshed. What that means is there's no one way to do it. How you find refreshment is different than how I do. How God has wired you is unique from how God has wired me. On my Sabbath day, most of it includes a nice, long, hard workout. For some of you, like, that ain't refreshing. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's how God wired you. For me, that's how it is. For me, on my Sabbath, what I can do if, it's ref- if I'm able to, if it's not super cold, is I like to be outside. I need fresh air in order to feel refreshed. Even if that's just a 10-minute walk around the block. But if it's nice, I want to go for a little bit longer. Because I'm refreshed as I get outside. See, in Sabbath, we practice honesty with ourselves. We practice honesty with our own limits, our own limitations, our own humanity, and who God has made us to be. It's in Sabbath that we practice humility. It's humbling to admit, I can't do everything. I can't be on seven days a week, every single day. I need time in my life and in my heart to rest. And in Sabbath, we practice trust, trusting that God will provide, trusting that God will carry us through even as we rest. I was talking this last week with a friend who told me there was a time in his life where he was in a very dark spot, a very dark situation, just kind of overwhelmed. He was in college at the time. It was the end of the semester. He was hardly sleeping. He wasn't resting. And he said he went home and he literally slept, he said, for at least like 12 hours for three straight days. And it was amazing the difference in his entire life because he was just able to take a few days to rest. Rest reminds us that God is God and we are not. I love the author Ruth Haley Barton who writes about the disciplines of rest and Sabbath and solitude. She says this, which I just find so convicting in my own life. God is the only one who is infinite. I am finite, which means that I live within the physical limits of time and space and the bodily limits of my own strength and energy. There are limits to my capacities relationally, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I am not God. God is the one who can be all things to all people. God is the one who can be two places at once. God is the one who never sleeps. I am not. And I find that so profound because so often I realize that I don't rest because I'm trying to take the place of God in my life and in the place of others. That I want to be in two places at once. I want to be all things to every single person. But I can rest because there's a God who is that. And I don't need to try and do that. So do you have a day of rest, a Sabbath day in your life? And if not, what do you need to do to get there? Because sometimes we don't Sabbath well because the rest of our week is just scattered and we haven't prioritized our lives that we have a day where it works for us, 
For me in my life, typically right now in this season, how it works is my day of rest that I try to practice weekly is on Fridays. Because for me, I have Fridays and Saturdays off, but I'm always preaching at least once, if not twice here on Sundays. And for me, Saturdays, I can say I'm not working, but my head's on Sunday, right? I know where it's at. So for me, Friday is the day where I sleep in a little bit more. I typically never set an alarm if I can help it on Friday mornings. I drink an extra cup of coffee in the morning. I get in a good, nice, hard workout. Then I try and relax in the afternoon. I love to read, but I don't read theology books. I don't read anything that would have to do with church. I read fiction and biographies, stories that I just find interesting. And for me, typically on Friday nights is when our small group meets. And so I get to celebrate the end of our Sabbath like I did this last week with small group. We shared a meal and we just enjoyed life together for several hours together. And that's just how I was able to practice it in my life. But to get there, there's other things. Thursday night, I do extra chores on Thursday so I don't have to do them on Friday. I get extra things done on Thursday. Why? Because I want to set aside a special time on Friday where I don't have to do this, that, this, and that. But I prioritize that I have a day set aside, if at all possible, where I can do these things. Again, Sabbath isn't about rules, but it's about finding rest, finding a relationship, and finding refreshment in our lives. The third reason that we need rest in our lives is that rest is necessary for health. Rest is simply necessary for our health. <clears throat> First thing it's necessary for is our physical health. This is just common sense that we in America so often ignore. That rest is necessary for your physical health. And unlike the Gnostics who are an ancient group who used to believe that everything physical and bodily is bad, the Bible doesn't teach that. God created you a physical being. You will always be a physical being. You'll have a body in heaven one day. And so taking care of our physical selves is a way of honoring God. It's interesting when you think about it, how long someone can live without food. Weeks, three weeks, four weeks, someone can live without food. They say that for, with drinking, you could probably not drink any water for a week and still be fine. But how long can you go without sleep? After 24 hours of sleep, they say someone's reaction is comparable to the, to the person who's legally drunk and not able to drive or function. After 36 hours, extreme symptoms start to show up. And after just 48 hours, your brain starts to what they call micro-sleeping, where in 30-second intervals, you'll just snap to and have no idea where you were or what you were just doing for the last 30 seconds to a minute on just 48 hours. There's a reason why sleep deprivation is a form of torture for people. Yet sometimes we try and torture ourselves, don't we? If you look at the symptoms, the physical symptoms that are caused from a lack of sleep, it might make you sleep more. Cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, all sorts of diseases linked often to a lack of sleep in our lives. <laughs> what I found helpful in thinking about sleep is it said, I read someone said, just think about the battery percentage on your phone. For me, let's see, what is mine right now? 76% is my phone charge right now. And overnight or at some time before tomorrow, I would need to get that charge back up to 100. But if I don't, if I only get it to 90, at this point tomorrow, it's going to be a little lower. And if I charge it, but it only gets to 70, and then it only gets to 60, only gets to, by Friday, my phone's going to be dead by like 1 in the afternoon. 
to think about sleep the same way. If you just a little bit less on one day, well, I'm not quite all the way there. And so it slides a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And some of us haven't gotten to that restful place. Our batteries haven't been fully charged and we don't know how long. A third of Americans get less than six hours of sleep a night. So what do you need to say no to in your life to say yes to rest? What do you need to say no to to say yes to sleep in your life? I love the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm very open with that, especially now that we're good again. I love the Lakers. They were on primetime TV last night. I knew I had a busy day, needed to be up at 5 a.m. today. I turned the game off halfway through the third quarter last night. I turned it off. I'll watch the highlights tomorrow. I need to sleep. I need to sleep. Saying no to something to say yes to something better. But rest is not only necessary for physical health, rest is necessary for spiritual health as well. Rest is necessary for our spiritual health as well. I came across a a talk recently by Dr. D.A. Carson, who's a well-known, one of the most well-known Bible scholars across the world. And he was giving a lecture on reasons that people struggle with doubts in their faith. And he said one of the reasons on his list of why people struggle with doubts was a lack of sleep. A lack of sleep. This is what he said. We are whole, complicated beings. Our physical existence is tied to our spiritual well-being, to our mental outlook, to our relationship with others, including our relationship with God. Sometimes the godliest thing you can do in the universe is get a good night's sleep. Not pray all night, but sleep. I'm not denying that there may be a place for praying all night. I'm merely insisting that in the normal course of things, the spiritual discipline obligates you to get the sleep that your body needs. I don't know about you, but when I don't get enough sleep, the fruit of the Spirit are a lot more hard to come by in my life. Grace and kindness and love and patience get on short supply pretty quick. God has created us to rest. But God, in creating us as physical beings need to rest, he also created our souls which need rest as well. Which is why this beautiful invitation that Jesus has tonight for each and every one of us in the Gospel of Matthew. He says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One translation said, come to me all who are weary and who carry heavy burdens. If you're tired and you feel like you have a burden in your life, Jesus' invitation is, bring that to me. You're tired, you're worn out, your soul feels heavy, bring that to me. See, if a relationship with God gives our hearts the rest that they truly need. A relationship with Jesus doesn't mean you now have a longer to-do list of all these obligations, but it's an invitation to rest in the actions that Jesus Christ has already done for your salvation, and he's freed you to rest. The author of Ecclesiastes talks about his pursuit of meaning and purpose in life and how he pursued all these different pleasures and things that the world would have to offer. And he said, you know, it's all meaningless apart from a life without God. One of the greatest historians, church figures ever, 
man, Augustine, who spent his life pursuing after worldly pleasures till eventually his heart was caught by God. And he has the famous quote that you may have heard, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And if you're here tonight and maybe you're thinking, yeah, I'm physically tired, but man, my heart is restless tonight as well. My soul needs rest, not just my body, but my soul needs rest as well. I just want you to know Jesus' invitation is open to you tonight to come to him. The qualifications to come to Jesus, be tired and have a lot of burdens. That's true of me most of the time. To be tired, worn out by life, trying to bear all of it myself. Jesus says, bring that to me. Bring your stress. Bring your fear. Bring your worries. Bring your cares. Bring your troubles. Bring your sin. Bring all of it to me. And if your heart is restless tonight, the only place that you can find true rest is in a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't need you to pretend like you have your life together before you come to him. He said, no, 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 I know you're messed up. I know you don't have it together. That's his invitation to us is to come in our weakness and in our busyness. And in him we'll find rest. God, we thank you that the rest for our hearts that we each so desperately need is found in you. God, that a relationship with you isn't more things to do, but it's to rest in what Jesus has already done for us. God, would you teach us what it means to rest in you, to find rhythms of rest into our lives. God, for some of us, we need to look at the things going on and to prioritize some things, to say no to some things so that we can say yes to rest, to physical health, and to spiritual health. God, we thank you that in this world where we feel so overwhelmed, we don't have to be all things to all people. We don't have to be everywhere because you are. God, and we can rest in our weakness, rest knowing we are finite because you are a God who is strong and who is over all things. God, we need you. We need you tonight. We need you this week. But we find our rest in you, we pray. In Jesus' name.